Hjertelig velkommen til et nytt program her på Israel-kanalen. I dag så er jeg så heldig å ha med mig Sandy Shoshani. Hun er kanskje kjent for noen av dere fra tidligere, men, og hun leder altså en organisation i Israel som står for Ja til livet, og den heter Beat Chaim. Welcome to Israel-kanalen igen, uh, Sandy. Tack, thank you. Uh, it has been very good to have you here in Norway for a few days, and we appreciate your visit here and what you have shared with us so much. Thanks. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more, uh, our viewers here on Israel Channel, about about uh, the organization that work you work for, Biad Chaim? We know that it's a pro-life, and but tell us a little bit about more specific about your work. Okay, so Biad Chaim. I am not the founder. I like to make that clear. Bad Chaim started in 1988 by Christians and Messianic Jews together who prayed because they saw the number of abortions in Israel. In the 1940s, pre-Israel, Israel became a state in 1948. In the 1940s, during the Holocaust, abortion was birth control. And our first prime minister said, if our mothers had aborted at the same rate as our daughters, we couldn't even build a country. It was such a serious problem. And in the 70s, abortion became legal. 1977 became legal in Israel, primarily to regulate abortion. You understand? Abortion was just rampant before that. Just people were doing it with no laws. So in 1977, a law was created to say in every hospital in Israel, there has to be a committee which decides if you can have a free legal government abortion. And there were regulations. But what's happened is that 99.6% of people who apply for the abortion receive a free abortion. So it's kind of become a, um, as you say, just a rubber stamp. So anybody pretty much who wants an abortion can have an abortion very easily, which means that you really don't think too much about the consequence. And so Ba'ad Chaim began, as I said, um, about 10 years later, in 1988, with flyers out on the streets and a prayer base. We've always had a prayer base. Prayer is so important to being able to help mother choose life. And they were giving out flyers and saving maybe a baby or two a year. So when you say prayer base, this is yeah. a Messianic Christian initiative, right? So um, that was the beginning, and I personally am a Messianic Jew, not everybody on our team is necessarily a believer, but we believe that babies are created in the image of God. And we do our work because it really is the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of God is like this, people, 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 people. He loves the mothers who are in crisis. He loves the babies, and he wants us to be able to provide for every mother practical help. Something else that's really important is the Ba'ad Chaim from the beginning has helped every woman in need. It doesn't matter if she's Jewish. It doesn't matter what she is. We would help anybody that the rain is falling on because we believe that every person is created by God with a purpose and a calling. Wonderful. Uh, so uh, the abortion situation, you touched uh, into that in Israel, that it's very easy to get abortions so uh, is there any trends uh, with that? Is it rising or is it just steady or is it? Yeah, so really there's no numbers. This is also a problem. It's extremely easy to get an abortion and it's a non-issue. 
I mean, nobody talks about abortion in Israel as though it were a moral issue. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have national health care, abortion is like any other kind of medical procedure. For example, if you want to change your nose, you can have that done by our national health care. If you want to have a tummy tuck because you're obese, national health care. And those are the kind of things, I mention those because people don't talk about it, right? They don't usually, you don't tell people I changed my nose, you don't. But um, it's government funded. And that's the kind of thing abortion is. You don't really talk about it, but you can go to your social worker or your doctor. Then you go to the committee, you get permission for the abortion, and you do a discreet abortion. Mm. And it's not an issue. We have actually in Ba'at Chaim tried to change the status of abortion. Right now, abortion is legal until birth. There are different committees. There's a, a lower committee for tr- first trimester, second trimester, and third trimester. And according to the government, it should be difficult to get an abortion third trimester. But because the baby in the womb has no legal status until birth, the baby is considered part of the mother's body. For that reason, the doctors in the hospitals are saying, yes, you can have an abortion until birth. And I do know that, thank God, there are doctors who refuse to do the abortion if there's no medical reason. But they don't feel that they have the right to say no because it's her body. But, of course, how could the baby be her body when he has blue eyes and she has brown eyes and he's a male and she's a female? How is that her body, you know, the mother's body? But never mind logic. It's just the thinking of the modern age now. Yeah, yeah, because the Bible is very clear about uh, when life starts. Yeah, of course. Before you were in your womb, I knew. Uh, Bible says right. So uh, we know that uh, there, there, there is a real life, uh, and also the impact on the mother who takes abortions. Uh, it's not easy as well because it makes uh, trauma, right? Correct. A very large percent, more than half of the women, would be traumatized after the abortion. You know, um, the leader of the... So in America, they call it Planned Parenthood. In Israel, it's called Ladat, to know. But she came into my office one day. My daughter is a social worker, and she had done one-day practicum in this office. And she told them there, she said, my mother does the opposite of you. She helps women choose life. So they walked into the door of our office, and they said, we want to meet the enemy. And, I, and the Lord said to me, do not be enemies. Mm. Love this woman. So I shared with her how we practically help women. We don't criticize. We don't pressure. We offer them a loving counselor, emotional support, and financial assistance. And she said, that's nice. And that she was surprised that my approach was so positive. And then I told her, I said, you know, abortion hurts women. And I had my counselor with me who had had an abortion and never had any children. And my counselor shared, she said, 20 years ago I had an abortion, and I deeply regret that I've never had a baby. And this woman in charge of this pro-abortion organization, she from, first she said, mm, I don't regret, and then she looked down at the floor, and she said, although once a year on the what would have been the baby's due date, I get really sad. Mm. And I think every woman... Every woman has a place in her heart where she thinks, that would have been my child. Oh, my baby today would have been 18. Or maybe I would have been a grandmother. Or who knows? There's a place in the heart that deeply regrets. And often, 
really often, immediately after the abortion, there's a sense of relief. You know, it's, it's a quick solution to the immediate problem. But afterwards, for example, if she does marry afterwards, or maybe she's already married, half of the abortions in Israel are married women. But at some point, what we say, she'll realize, what did I do? For example, she may become pregnant again and then see the ultrasound and then realize, oh my goodness, my baby's heart was beating. You know, the baby's heart beats 22 days after conception, but it can't be heard because the baby's so tiny until five or six weeks after conception. But listen, most women don't know they're pregnant until at least three weeks after conception. And until they go for the abortion, she's probably five or six weeks. So by the time, and in Israel, the law says you have to have an ultrasound before an abortion. So what you're doing is going to the doctor, sing your sonogram, your ultrasound, and if you ask, they can turn up the volume, and at five or six weeks, you can hear the baby's heartbeat. You cannot say, this is not a human being. And sometimes I say, you know, a person, for example, who's been in a car accident, how do they measure whether that person is still alive? Heartbeat, brain waves. Brain waves can be detected, detected in the fetus at maybe 40 days. They can hear, they can see that. And so you're saying, okay, this tiny person here has a heartbeat, brain waves. Is this not a person? Is, you know, this is a matter of size and location. Yeah. But of course, I don't criticize the woman who's in crisis. Maybe her father kicked her out of the house. Maybe her husband, I told you half the abortions are married couples. Maybe they have three children and he's lost his job and maybe they have no money. And then what? But do we do, we do an abortion now because we don't have a job now? When in three years he might become, he might become the manager of a shop, and in five years the CEO of the company. Do we really do something now, such a quick decision because of today's problem, or do we believe and hope my life is going to change? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you just see uh, the circumstances, it's right now it could change oh, yeah. very quickly. So. And today's circumstance could be terrible. Mm. Some we've helped women whose husbands had cancer. I mean or she herself was ill, you know, there are situations, and, and I actually want to say something. Often they say women's health, but it is very, very rare, extreme, that a woman's health would be endangered by the baby. And I do know people who've had cancer, and they couldn't begin treatment. So what a pro-life doctor would do is take the baby out at point of viability at 24 weeks and immediately start therapy for the mother. In, in, unless the baby is ectopic, which means the baby is in the tube, which in any case, the mother and the baby would die. I mean, there's no hope. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, there's pretty much no situation where you can't say, let's choose an option of life. Uh, one of my counselors, she was pregnant with what they call mono-mono twins. The babies were sharing the same sac with no membrane between. And the doctor said to her, you should, uh, they call it in Hebrew, thin out your pregnancy. You should take out one of the babies because one might kill the other or both might die. And she looked at the doctor, this 25-year-old woman, and she said, now why would I take the life of one of my babies because he might die? 
why wouldn't I give my babies a chance for life? And interestingly, also one of the babies had a cleft lip, and the doctor said this might be a sign of brain damage. But this woman, she said, I'm going to trust God with whatever is going to happen. And she uh, gave birth to her boys, and the cleft lip was closed when he was 10 weeks old. And I can't tell the difference between these twins now. They are the most energetic, wild little four-year-olds. <laughs> but praise God. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Uh, so uh, the work that you provide for these women, be, tell us a little bit more specifics around your, your work with them. How we help them? Yes. Okay, so first of all, and uh, this may sound simple, but it's not. The women who find us often find us either through Google search or a social worker or a friend. And what they say when they call our hotline, we have a hotline, a national hotline. They call the hotline and they almost always say, I have to have an abortion. They don't see a choice. And our goal on our hotline is to say, take a breath. Just think about it. Will you take the time to not have what you say, a knee-jerk response. Will you not quick, don't make a quick decision. Be intelligent, study the facts, learn how abortion is done, learn about baby development, learn who can support you, and then decide. And then we ask her, would you meet your local counselor? We have 20 counselors all over Israel. So let's say a woman from, I don't know, anywhere, Haifa phones our hotline. The hotline counselor will say, are you willing to meet your local counselor and have coffee with her. On the hotline, we can save about 50% of those who phone because some are going to hang up and it might be a boyfriend or who knows what. But if they meet with their local counselor who becomes their friend, we save more than 90% wow. because she can get a hug. She can see someone cares. And then we offer her, besides the hope and the friendship and the encouragement, we offer her something. We have a program called Operation Moses, uh, like Moses in the Nile, that yeah. Pharaoh's daughter supported Moses' mother with financially. And um, so this program provides everything the baby needs for a full year, the bed, the stroller, the bathtub, the bed sheets, and every month a gift card so the mother can buy the diapers and the formula, whatever she needs for her baby. So this project has been able to save thousands and thousands of lives. Uh, just this year we had so far more than 600 births. Through this amazing project. Wow, 600 this, this year. This year. Yeah. And in 2022, we had more than 700 babies born. Praise the Lord. Wow, so you are topping that uh, this year, probably. I don't know. I. It's not about the numbers, you know. It's every baby, yeah. every mother whom we can help is a great joy. Yeah, but I see that uh, if the number is rising also, it's, a, it's a definitely a need for this, your work. Yeah. You know, the statistics of abortion, they, the Central Bureau of Statistics hasn't shown a different number since the 1970s. And I spoke to them, and I said, you know, the population went from 3 million to 10. Don't you think your numbers need to change? And they said, yeah, but they're not being reported. Wow. So nobody really knows the numbers, but I, our personal experience is that many, many women contact us for help. Yeah. Women are calling out, you know, women are... Um, they, they're like this when it comes to abortion. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, they feel, I have no choice. Whatever the reason, I'm afraid I already have 10 children. Maybe she's Orthodox and has 10 children. Who knows? There's a million reasons. It could be no money. It could be she's 40 and doesn't want a baby. It could be anything. 
But um, the, on the other hand, it's an instinct. I remember once a woman came in. She said, I'm having an abortion. I'm definitely having an abortion. I said, okay. And uh, she said, you know, I just want you to know, I stopped smoking and I stopped all alcohol. So I pretended to be not understand. And I said, now why would you do that? And she said, it's not good for the baby. And I said, but you're about to abort. Ah, and this is often the case. Another very dramatic case. Uh, many years ago, I was handing out flyers on the street. And uh, there were a bunch of soldiers there in the military police. Yeah. And one day, one of the soldiers came into the office for a pregnancy test, a free pregnancy test. And when she saw that the result was positive, she didn't even give our staff a chance to talk to her. She ran out weeping. But because I was standing at the central bus station and she was at the police, I saw her there. And I, I tried to be discreet, and I said to the Lord, I was a bit nervous, yeah? So I, she was with a bunch of other police, and I said to the Lord, if you want me to talk to her, Lord, let her be all alone. Oh, you can imagine what happened. She was, yeah. in a second, she was all alone, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the Lord. Yeah. Like, why is this woman all alone? <laughs> so I went over to her very gently, and I said, excuse me, but I saw you in our office, and I know that you're pregnant, and um, if it's okay, I just wanted to know if you're okay, if I can help you. She said, I'm fine. I'm going to have an abortion. No problem. And uh, I said, and I talked to her for a while. I said, can I help you? I can financially support you. I could speak to your parents. She said, they want me to abort. I said, I could speak to your boyfriend. No, he wants me to abort. We all want me to abort. Why? Because if she chose, if she would choose life for the baby, she would have to get out of the army. And she felt it was dishonorable. She didn't want to do that. And so she said, I'm going to abort. And, um, you know, I talked to her for so long, but I couldn't help. And I said, okay. So I just, you know, I, I wish you well, you know. And um, I started to walk away. And then she said, come here, I have a question for you. And remember, she's in her army uniform. She's at the central bus station, a public place. And uh, I said to her, what's your question? And she said, why am I so exhausted? And why, do I, why am I hungry all the time? And just, why do I feel so different? And I just, I just, you know, I'm a mother, and I just spoke what was in my heart. I said, you know, your mind and your heart don't want this child, but your body is already a month mother, and you are nurturing a baby who's living inside of you. And when I said that, her knees buckled. She fell to the ground. She was holding onto an electric pole, and she started sobbing and sobbing. And this is the dilemma of a mother. You don't want the baby? You don't know how you can do it, but your nature, your instinct, your body is created to be a mother. And that's why women, there's many reasons why, but that's one of the reasons why immediately after an abortion, most women will come out of the abortion weeping yeah. because it's their instinct to protect their child. Wonderful. Yeah, so what happened with this soldier? Do you know that? Yeah, she had the abortion because later she was a waitress. Okay. After, after she was in the army, she was a waitress with one of my sons, and she did have the abortion. Okay. But I can only pray that God would turn her life around, you know. Another time, well, we've helped, we've helped over 5,000 women, but another time we had a mother, a single woman with six children in the office, and I had a fantastic counselor who could almost always save a baby. But my counselor called me in, you know, and the director, so I don't counsel people very often. So my counselor called me in and she said, Sandy, I need your help. I cannot 
persuade this woman to keep her baby this time. I, I, I've offered her everything, money, encouragement, anything, diapers for the other children. I can't, I can't help her. So I went in and I said, what's the problem? She said, look, you could give me a million dollars. I am a single mother of six. I don't have the strength to help one more child. I just, I don't want to do it. I don't have any strength. Mm. And I said, okay, you know, I'm not, I don't argue with people. I love people. God loves these broken women. They need his love. So I said to her, is it okay with you if I bless you? In, in, um, in Israel, we do prayer by liturgy. So you have a book. But we often bless people. Like if it's your birthday in a kindergarten, the other children would say, I bless you that you'll have many toys and you'll have many friends and your dad won't yell at you today. You know, this kind of thing. So um, I said, can I bless you? She said, sure. And the spirit spoke to me and I said to her, may your child be a lawyer or just defend you when people say bad things. May your child be a doctor or just blow when you fall and you have a little cut. May your child be a famous comedian or just make you laugh at home. May your child be a social worker or just comfort your heart when you're feeling really down. And I went on like that for about five minutes, just pouring out love to this woman. And afterwards, I gave her a hug. And she thanked me. And then my counselor walked her to the door of the office. And she said to my counselor, that, that woman really touched my heart. I don't know what to say. And later that night, she called my counselor and she said, I've chosen life for my baby. Wow. Because there's a calling on every life. Yeah. Hallelujah. And what we want to offer is that hope of the victory mm -hmm. that your child could be a king. Your child could be anybody. Anybody. Just make you laugh, you know. How many mothers in the office have told us, I can't believe I thought of abortion. This child is, they, they how can they say in Hebrew, they say, they're my life. They're my life. Uh, so, uh, the work that you do, uh, I mean, you support a lot of women. How much does it cost for a baby a year? So, during COVID, the costs went up because of the shipping of the strollers there. We buy from an on, um, online company, the internet. And, you know, all the shipments to Israel went up. So, the prices, I don't know, they went up maybe 20%, maybe more. But in any case, um, this Operation Moses is a sponsorship program. It's actually quite fantastic. Um, because people are around the world are able to sponsor a baby and become part of their lives in that sense through finance and prayer. So, you know, um, Vision Norway has done, thank you so much, has sponsored babies through the program. And when you sponsor a baby, you receive a certificate with the baby's name and birth date and then a letter at birth about the baby and another letter, uh, not just the baby, but their family. And then and there's not much to write about the baby. But at the, at the end of the year, then another letter about the baby and mother. So you can know how you can be prayerfully praying for that family. And the cost is, uh, it's uh, in dollars, it's 1980, almost 2000, but it's $1980 for a year yeah. for full scholarship, $165 a month to sponsor a baby. And that provides them with the bed the stroller, the bathtub, the bed sheets, and every month a gift card worth more than $100 so they can purchase what they need for their baby. And, uh, you know, the Lord, I, you can probably imagine that sometimes it's like the tides. Sometimes the money is enough for the babies, and sometimes it goes whoosh. And the Lord faithfully has provided over and over. I mean, can you imagine right now 
we're giving more than $100 a month to over, or right now maybe about over 500, well, over 600 women. Can you imagine? I, I suppose if I was a business person, it would maybe not be so wild, but because yeah. I'm a grandmother, it's, it's amazing how God has provided. Mm. The Lord continues to provide. Yeah. So the donors that, that support you, yeah. who are they? I mean, we support yeah, you, but you who else? I love it. There are people all over the world, all over the world. People who primarily love God, love babies, care about the mothers, and love Israel. And just want to see the women in Israel able to have their babies and to protect their babies. Nobody should ever abort a baby for a bag of diapers. How ridiculous. We should be able to say, honey, we will help you. We will walk through this with you. And because of donors like yourself, some of you watching are donors. It's it's amazing. I, I can't thank you enough, really. We could never do this just on our own. We have to have partners around the world. I mean, literally around the world. It's it's amazing to see what God has done. Uh, yeah, I'm happy that we could uh, join forces with you some years ago and yeah. and be able to support you. And I wish, of course, that we should be you know able to even support you more. Uh, because one thing that also I think about is that uh, to pray for Israel, we all, we pray that the, all, all the Jews will go back. You know the the fulfillment yeah. of the prophecies. But and I also think that. All these children, the, the Jewish children, uh, that is conceived, and uh, if they are aborted, it's God's plan for them, our counsel. And if we can save them, uh, as you said, they can be a doctor, they can be a teacher, they can be a lawyer, they can be great personalities and world changer as well. Amen. So it's uh, so uh, important, I think, the work that you do. Thank you. Amen. You know, the greatest they can do is praise the Lord. Yeshua, Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So whatever these little ones do, they can be a glory to the name of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Sandy. The time flies away so fast, but it has been fascinating to hear you tell about your work and, and it's also a blessing for us to be part of it uh, and have a little share, share of what you are. Oh, you have a big share. There's nothing too small. Every part is amazing part, like a puzzle. Mm. I love that believers around the world are working together to save lives in Israel. Glory to God for the unity of the Spirit. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I just want to... S- Bless you and your work continually, and I hope that we can be even stronger supporters from Norway towards Beat Chaim. Tack. Uh, det var det vi hade idag, kära Sara. Uh, jag syns att det här är er utroligt viktig arbete som uh, vi är er med på att stötta. Och det ska du veta att när du är er med att stötta Israelkanalen så är er du också med att stötta det arbete som Beat Chaim gör. Så tusen tack för att du följt oss genom att prämma och på gensyn i nästa vecka. Tack för nu. 